0: Let's do this thing.
1: Friday, May fifth, twenty twenty three. This is Accelerate Daily. I'm Adam.
0: My name is Mackenzie.
1: Welcome back for another roundup of the last twenty four hours in Thank the you. AI space. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks again for jumping in, uh, Mac. Yeah, this is uh, real quick. This is a daily podcast where we give you a, you know a roundup in the last twenty four hours, the last whatever's happened in AI in the last twenty four hours. Uh, this honestly started as a pitch for a weekly show, and stuff happened so fast that. There was so much stuff to go through on Thursday before we did a show on Friday that it became less work to just stabilize doing a daily show like this to cover stuff as it happens than to try to curate what matters for a
0: Friday show. So
1: here we are, celebrate Daily. You want to describe our opening card for the people on the podcast? We got another
0: stable diffusion image. <laughs> yeah. So allegedly, this is called uh, Lazy Labor Day and it's a collection of world leaders falling asleep in various diners. I thought that this was like a real I thought that this was a stock image by the associated press of King Charles falling asleep at his own coronation, but it's not. This is just no, an there's,
1: AI. There's one of the Pope, there's one of Joe Biden, there's one yeah. of Hillary Clinton, there's one of Trump, and they're all just kind of like slumped in in a booth at a at a, you know, greasy spoon diner kind of place. They're just like you know, the place you see photo ops all the time of like, <laughs> you know, a politician lifting a cup at some kind of greasy DC diner or whatever. Yeah. Grandpa vibes is what it is. Grandpa, <laughs> Simson, Grandpa Simpson vibes. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. French toast, please. <laughs> okay, what's up first? Oh, here we got Google leak. Uh, this is a piece from Insider. Headline says, Google and OpenAI will lose the AI arms race to open source engineers, Googler said in a leaked document. Yeah, this one broke late yesterday. I'm seeing it in enough places to think that the leak is legit-ish enough, but also it kind of tracks with what I expect, given my understanding of the technology. But basically, it's a researcher from Google saying that there's no moat here with developing these technologies. We'll actually bring this full circle with the topic. We're going to hit it at the end. But kind of the big thing here and where it fits in acceleration is I was happy to hear, have you here for this one, Mac, because uh, this is, this is why the excitement over AutoGPT, like maybe AutoGPT isn't the thing exactly, but the fact that there are open source things is what Google is, is pointing to and saying they're going to catch up fast enough, if not be bigger than the things that we were able to front run by throwing researchers and money at the problem. Mm-hmm. But like OpenAI just has a trained thing that costs them, you know, to whatever the quote, it's
0: millions millions. anywhere
1: between 30 and 250 million to train yeah. in like compute and time but then they have their thing. And so it doesn't really constitute a moat as long as other people can chug away at eventually having the same waiting
0: yeah. sort, of, sort of thing, right? So, so I have the technical concept that allows open source to keep up because when you think about this, like, oh, it's a $30 million training cost. What was that for? And then you look at it, it's like electricity and GPU. Purchasing the GPU, housing them, and feeding them juice. And why open source is able to compete is that you can actually take the outputs from these large training systems And use them to, I don't remember the technical word exactly, but it's like backpropagating. Like if you have inputs and outputs, that's all a smaller system needs. So this is called sparse training, sparse fine tuning. So with way less like neural network nodes and way less compute or power, you can create a system that's similar to GPT-4 on like one-tenth or one-one-hundredth of the hardware size. And then once you have that, and then you're able to start fine tuning in a decentralized way on just cloud compute and trying to go from there. So open source experimentation is going to go a long way. I, I don't know. Yeah, there, there eventually will not be a moat. I agree with them, but I don't know how soon that's happening. That might be like this year, that might be next year, that might be in five years. But right. eventually it's going to go that way where AIs are, are public utilities that are free, like information, any other information.
1: Right. Which is why I present it as, as you know, it's a, it's a roadmap question. But, you know, responsibly, Google is looking at these things at the same time. It's 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 a mental model thing, which is to realize that this is more like TCP IP or like email protocols or HTTP, like like, you know, HTML protocols. Then it's like Facebook potentially is what they're saying, mm-hmm. which is you can't turn off the access to what you were saying is, OK, so. It's not even just like a researcher sits on ChatGPT and puts queries in and then puts the responses back somewhere else. You can just ping the API with questions, get answers back, use that to train a model. And they may say in the license, like, you're not allowed to do that. But this is like, this is a problem we've had with the web before already. It's how Google gets to exist. Google, you can't stop Google from indexing your page. I mean, you can, but then you disappear off the web because Google's how everybody finds the thing. But then like, you also legally can't be can't stop them from doing that because you're publishing that you have to publish the thing for it to be usable to the open web so
0: for open AI to recoup their investment they have to sell API access so at GPT boss I have a collection of it's approaching rapidly 100 million words for backtraining. right and that's only in like three months yeah I mean it's
1: the kind of thing we we're working on as well which is you know, being a layer that can work with this stuff but it's anyway so Google knows it you can mm-hmm. see what they do Oh, here's one. Okay, GPT-4 causal reasoning. I say oh like that because I think it's the first time we've actually like linked to a just highfalutin research paper. But it's worth reading. Uh, it's researchers from Microsoft Research and the University of Chicago talking about basically how unexpectedly good GPT-4 is at causal reasoning. So giving it a bunch of details and saying, okay, did this cause this outcome? And it's good at saying yes, and then threading together the logic for why, which is a thing close to my heart, because that's like, this this, this is torts in law school, right? Proximate cause is what all of the questions are about. Did you cause the harm that it was at the end of this chain? All of the examples on exams are like, a car ran into a telephone pole. The telephone pole fell and hit your house. When it hit your house, it scared your dog. Your dog ran across the neighbor's yard. Scared the neighbor and the neighbor fell and they sued you. <laughs> like, are you, liable? are you liable for harm? Right. And what you're chasing is this causal approximate. Anyway, it's just a funny thing. It's like, yeah, that's your whole torts. That's, that's a whole law school class. <laughs> Turns out GPT 4, pretty good at it. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I saw on Twitter um, that the theory behind this ability is how much code it was trained on because of Microsoft's um, association with like GitHub. They had a lot of code examples to feed in. And they found that GPT models that do have a lot of code are better at causal reasoning, um, which allows developers to become even more annoying than they already are, where they could say, (laughs) We're the thing that gives GPT-4 intelligence.
1: There's a. I talk about this a lot at the seam of like tax code and stuff like that. Like law is just the squishy version of the same stuff, like cause and effect and rules and stuff, except it's all humans saying words to one another and then fighting about whether or not the words were followed computers are way more rigid and so they have come up with ways to manage stuff that's like oh if we could also apply this to the people then this would work a lot better over here but everybody goes version control ah what's that yeah <laughs> like, i like to redline things in in word yeah it's okay <laughs> anyway mostly i think it's a good example of just like latent capacity right like paper after paper keeps dropping with these researchers that are hitting the new models with things and we always keep coming back to the same thing which is like it's not that it's displaying creativity or whatever, but it's it's just guessing the words turns out to be really effective at pretending to be a person or, or doing these things that we used to, you know, sort of say. Oh well, p- a computer will never catch up to that because they're just a stochastic calculator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out repeating things is how you learn, and also how we know you learned. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. it, of course,
0: it's actually making
1: up novel things.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Um the, the way, like my mental model is that it's as good as the best of us are at, at any given thing. Like if we have examples of somebody being the best at something, that's what's in the model. So it makes sense that the writing is highly logical and is able to follow these processes and exert this causal reasoning because the smartest readers demonstrate that as well.
1: Okay, moving on. AI singers are here. We talked about this yesterday. But I wanted to flag this one also. This is another. This is a Vent Vulture article also from yesterday or soon. It's talking about the same stuff. Headline says AI singers are unnervingly good and already ubiquitous. Yesterday we talked a bunch about like having Drake on your track. The reason for this, the reason I wanted to share this article has a bunch of really good links to other stuff in it that strike me as harder to reproduce or harder to pull off that the that the models are able to do. Drake kind of has that that auto-tuned robot vibe so the uncanny valley to me seems like with drake it's probably a little narrower because the things that would cause your brain to go like "Ooh, that doesn't feel right for drake are already kind of being squashed into jagged curves by a computer processing things it already feels a little robotic this is an article about like replacing miley cyrus's voice with ariana grande's voice in party in the usa or like like they talk about replacing liam gallagher and. Oasis
0: songs from the '90s and stuff, which is obviously much harder to do, right? Having yeah. a non-artifacty output. It's interesting. A lot of people on music think that people like Noel Gallagher or Ariana Grande do not use AutoTune, but they definitely do. Like those Oasis records had a, a primitive version of AutoTune, and um, oh Ariana Grande does use AutoTune on her records, but only on the records, right? right. So it's like the artifacts are there, um, and there's also digital processing, and there's like clipping and this wave transformation that's happening. So it it still is artifacty but it doesn't clock as artifacty which is interesting. It's like it's close enough to be real, which is just a very very fast development.
1: And then the relevant thing that I, that I point out a lot in this context also that I know from like my experience in production and mixing, there's this phase of soundtrack production for a video of any sort. Where you've you've been working with like mixers in dope studios with like finely tuned powerful speakers up to that point, like sitting on a couch with the person mixing the stuff up, and then the last piece, first they change the output to some like shitty computer speakers to test it, and then they do some tweaking, and then they put it in Apple ear like AirPods earbuds, and then do some tweaking, right? There's already a whole process by which we take the things that would help us tell the difference here and like chop it down to eh, good enough for most people on a subway. Mm-hmm. And like, we're already past that point where if you're on a subway and you're using non active noise, canceling free with your phone headphones, you're not going to be able
0: to tell this is Liam Gallagher or whatever. Unless you're like specifically trained in this industry. Another thing that I wanted to talk about on this topic is um, it needs a good like base track, right? I've been I've been looking into these tools a little bit, so that there's a reference track that then gets interpolated with the voice like ID, the voice thumbprint from Noel Gallagher or Ariana Grande. So Ariana Grande doing "Party in the USA" sounded really good because Miley Cyrus's take was really good. Um, but for composing, you still need to have a good underlying take to use AI voice to create something new and novel, which is the most exciting part about all of this. So interesting. Um, I put I put a note in my TikTok chat. About a tool called M, by a company called M Voice. And M Voice is a, like, a click, it's like a piano roll. You could set your melody and then type in what words you want it to sing. And then so you get an, an AI generative voice track that you could then put the voice thumbprint on top of. So, just if anyone out there is a musician in their spare time, that's a fun change to like, try
1: Like starting from an impersonator to put a, a deep fake on top of,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: we could do the same thing, right? Get somebody yeah. who's already pretty good put the voice print on top of it i mean britney's been using britney impersonators in her songs for years (laughs) so cool (laughs) so (laughs) anyway uh it's fun art new art coming okay slack gpt uh from TechCrunch. slack updates aim to put ai at the center of the user experience this is a perfect transition to our our sort of broader topic here but Black is talking about how they're going to have buttons in there where it's like, okay, right click on the, you know, click on the AI button, and now you can do some things, talk to a chat, generate text, you know, whatever. Seeing this other places already, like this ties together with everything else we've talked about in terms of the model for how you start to see this stuff. Yeah, it's maybe you use ChatGPT for a lot of things. Also, it's probably turns into something that looks an awful lot like it's almost trivial. For literally anywhere that there's a text input form, to have the possibility of a button that says "Write this for me," it's just a very weird, like, ambient intelligence thing where it's going to be, "Hey, write what you think," and then we might not even tell you. You could obscure this, right? They could they could doctor your message before it gets to your boss, so you look like you look better without even showing. You You could mm-hmm. just write the thing, and then anyway, that rabbit, rabbit hole gets deep. But like, this is how you can start seeing it roll out. It's going to be in everything. It's why there's no mode. Other than the possibility of the API, API access.
0: Yeah. But, thoughts uh, on this one before we well, that one's that one's going away too. But I think I think trivial is the keyword here. Like it's going to be so easy to use. And and kind of sorry, the overarching theme that we wanted to talk about was chat, like GPT 4 as a platform. Chat as a platform. That's what we want to talk about. So there's new documentation on openai.com that shows you how to build these chat plugins. And by producing standardization, these are things that are able to be consumed by any product that's powered by gpt4 so that slack ai plugin that we were looking at those ais on slack would be able to reference chat gpt plugins or my product gpt boss or competing products like poe.com any any kind of box where text is going in could also work with these things because these are well-defined structured publicly defined um apis for anyone to consume so that's really exciting i think that we're going to have a moment of like GPT-4 is like iPhone. And then these plugins are going to be apps that sit on top of it. And there were so many, like in the early days of that, there were so many wild and creative things that came up. Like, um, I don't know if you remember like the beer drinking app or like flashlight app that turned your screen into just white. And there's just goofy, like everything. And it was so much fun. One of my first dumb
1: digital success stories was an app that literally flipped a coin (laughs) that that we made like on a weekend. And it popped off in Germany. It got like 20,000 downloads or something. Sick. (laughs) Like, hey, okay, we'll take it.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, so yeah, there's like going to be an ecosystem explosion of this like kind of software because GPT four is the platform that new software can be distributed on top of. And the thing that gets back to the moat piece, I think, is
1: realizing that like we we already know how this type of thing works. So you can build your app on top of it. You pay in tokens. It doesn't cost that much. You have a better sense of this from running GPT boss. But like, what's the overhead on talking to this model constantly for your set of users to you know,
0: allow you to build on top of the thing, right? My bill for April for 57,000 users was $670.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, you don't even have to say the number, but it's comparable to like AWS, right? Yeah. We're already to the commoditized pricing level in terms of providing these things into your app. But then there's the question of, okay, OpenAI is trying to build their own moat, so they have the version of ChatGPT that you can talk to. And so there's a just a super interesting space right now where everybody can try to build their own thing so you're going to have that app store energy but also you have the plugins inside of chat GPT where OpenAI is trying to say no this is the platform just come talk to the wizard that knows everything at in this window mm-hmm. um, it'll be really interesting to see like where people go in terms of if that works as the moat that you can create by saying this is the platform inside of chat the plugins live here plugins are how you tell it to talk to other
0: things, but you just tell the agent to do the thing. So one of the problems with the chat plugins from OpenAI is that it's early alpha and they're not letting everyone work on it. So I actually, I got a question in my TikTok chat about how can I start building on top of ChatGPT quickly? And the answer is you can't. Like the ChatGPT portal is not available to everyone. You have to get approved by OpenAI and start testing and stuff like that. But um, GPT Boss is powered by OpenAI, all the same tools. So if you want to start building your plugin before you get alpha access, come see me. And those filter down,
1: right? So you have plugin access, so you can do plugin things in Mm -hmm. your app also, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Or they could build the plugin for GPT Boss, and then when they're ready to go to ChatGPT, they can launch it there too. And they can launch it on Slack, and they can launch it on Discord, and everything else that's available.
1: The thing I'm interested in with this one is, is it too big of a social change for people to get used to the idea of going to the all-powerful AGI and saying, "Like like the artifice that you create by creating a lawyer, right? And saying, okay, this is my lawyer bot. Saves people the sort of logical leap they're not used to. Usually you go to a lawyer and the lawyer has legal expertise. When you're talking to an AGI or as close as we have so far, you have to say, pretend you're a lawyer. Like that's a real awkward thing to try to teach people when you're saying, okay, here's how you use, how you, how you use this tool right now, right? So I expect that sort of thing to be abstracted away. Just interesting seeing how it plays out. But yeah, the idea of, chat as a platform or really any as a platform. yeah stupid exciting but also possibly the reason that there's not a moat or that the moat is just not as juicy as they want it to be right because that may be the moral which is like it's not that there aren't moats here it's that google wants a moat like they've gotten to have previously and instead this thing immediately ramped up to just being google cloud mm-hmm. okay. okay yeah it's an extra google cloud service that people will pay for it's gonna be the same inside aws and whatever and you know and you're gonna pay in tokens and you know, it's going to be achievably priced for your average startup.
0: But also cost a
1: crap load of money if you're running a ton of traffic through it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, if it's a ton of traffic. But I, I do really enjoy how it's um, homomorphic with like air or water. It's like a, a base public utility. Intelligence is now a base public utility that's accessible to everyone. And that kicks to a completely different rabbit hole about regulation that we're not ready for yet. Yeah.
1: Stick around. Uh, we do talk about it often. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, everybody. And thanks for... Jumping in, Mac. Thanks for having me. You can find us on all of the podcast platforms. Also, if you want to tune in live to see all the production madness that got cut out of the podcast, we're on YouTube. You can subscribe over there. Otherwise, uh, this has been
0: Accelerate Daily. I'm Adam. My name is McKenzie. See y'all.